0: Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, Before we get started in 2 Corinthians, you you have to have this backdrop of 1 Corinthians. Make sure you have this understanding and backdrop of 1 Corinthians because it's very important, not just for our study in 2 Corinthians, but when you have the backdrop of 1 Corinthians, it will help you in your study through all the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Because in 1 Corinthians, we see this division of the remnant, a remnant emerge from Corinth. Now, if you're listening for the first time or you haven't listened to our study through 1 Corinthians, I know you're wondering, like, what what is he talking about? But if you have listened to our study through 1 Corinthians, you understand completely. So if you haven't listened to 1 Corinthians, get to that point where you've listened to it all and have your Bible open and follow along. It's very important in these last days because as we see a remnant in Corinth, we're also going to see a remnant in the last days also emerge. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1, "Do we begin again to commend ourselves?" question mark. Do we begin again or once more to commend ourselves or introduce introduce favorably ourselves? That's how it translates. Do we have to do this again? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or epistles of uh, introduction, commendation or recommendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Is this really needed? Is this really needed? Now, remember Paul's entourage, I say entourage, but you'll understand if you listen to our study through 1 Corinthians, you'll understand what I mean by entourage. It's not entourage like the world's entourage. It's an entourage like it's very holy people, men and women, young and old, married and unmarried. It's a very beautiful bubble of holiness. The people that are around Paul and their yo-yos too. You might think, "What is he talking about, yo yo?" Well, if you listen to our study through First Corinthians, you'll understand what I mean in saying "yo yo." It's preparation for the next generation of righteousness, because Paul's going to die. He's an old man already at this point. He's going to die, and he's training the the Timothy, the Titus. He's training people in their ministry unto the Lord, in service unto the Lord. They're not strangers. Loved of the people, and they love the people. Reciprocity in this love, this reciprocal nature of this love, the greatest gift. And Paul says, "Is this really needed? Do, do we need as some others, not them, of some other, as some others? Do we need epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you?" Now. Let me give you an example of this remnant. Now, you have to understand, when I say this backdrop of 1 of, of Corinthians is very, very important. Yes, it is. But I'll tell you why. Because this remnant that emerges in Corinth, the leaven is dealt with. The leaven has been dealt with. Now, I'm going to give you an example here. And the example is with you and me. Say we are in that town of Corinth. And we're of the carnal type. Non-believers. We're of the carnal type. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the reviling, the extortion, everything. That's you and me. Now, Paul comes to town. Unbeknownst to us, we just see this big commotion outside. We walk out like, what's the matter? And people want to beat up Paul. And we hear what he has to say. And we believe. We believe what He says. And we receive Jesus Christ. And He didn't come teaching like all... He didn't get into like the deep, uh, 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 deep, deep, deep spiritual things because unbeknownst to us, He wanted to make Christ known and only Christ. He didn't want to get into the the deep, deep, deep spiritual elements of truth. Just Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we receive Jesus Christ. And he became our Lord and Savior. And then Paul leaves town. And so for three years, we're kind of not left to ourselves, but we're under the, uh, the tutelage of, unbeknownst to us at the time, a defunct pastor and a defunct elder. Unbeknownst to us. You see, and there's, you know, all of a sudden, for three years, we, we have a friend we have a friend who was, you know, under a home fellowship in Chloe's house. And they would always tell us, you know, hey, come come, come to our Bible studies. Where is it? It's at Chloe's house. That's eh, it's too far. No thanks. We'll just stay over here. And all of a sudden, because we're under the tutelage of a defunct pastor, you know, his concept, his idea is, oh, let's just love on these people and let God take care of the rest. Uh, Defunct pastor. Which, that mindset is very popular in the church today, but biblically, yes, the Lord deals with, you know, let's love people and let God take care of the rest. But you know how biblically God takes care of that? God takes, he uses a Paul. He uses a Timothy. He uses a Titus. He uses a Phoebe. Biblically, that's how he takes care of things when he uses his vessels. Now, Let me tell you something. That is more preferable than when the Lord takes care of things himself. Because when the Lord takes care of things himself, it's not pretty. It's beautiful in that it's the work of the Lord, but and the aftermath of that. I mean, look at the aftermath of Korah. I mean, hearken to our study through Numbers. Look at the aftermath of Korah. Beautiful. But look at what happened to Korah. No more Korah. You see, that's how the Lord deals with things. If He were to do it, I meant like hands on. He is hands on, but through His vessels that He uses, such as Paul, such as Timothy, such as Titus, such as Phoebe, such as Priscilla and Aquila, Apollos, Cephas. He uses His vessels. And yes, they take care of, you know, let's just love on people and let God take care of the rest. It's more preferable to have God's vessels take care of things. It's going to be harsh, just like it was harsh with Paul when Paul says, hey, this is leaven. Separate from such a person. So, say we're under, you know, those. we have a friend from Chloe's house. Hey, come to church. Where is it? It's at Chloe's house. No, too far. We'll stay over here. Unbeknownst to us, we're under this, Defunct pastor, and we start doing the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the reviling, the extortion. We start doing those things because we're walking according to the flesh instead of walking according to the spirit. Because, how could a defunct pastor, you know, teach us to walk according to the spirit when he doesn't correct us? So, we're walking according to the flesh, a little bit of the spirit. Walking in the corner, oh, this this seems right to us, so let's do this. But, oh man, we like the crack, we like this, we like the works of the flesh. And that's how we walk. And then all of a sudden, three years later, somebody comes in, a letter from Paul. We got a letter from Paul. They start reading it. Anybody named a brother that is sexually immoral, Uh, a a drunkard, reviler, extortioner. Don't even hang out with such a person. Don't even eat with such a person because they are leaven. And so biblically, you and me have been identified as leaven along with others. And so these people, uh, other people, all our friends, our cohorts, they start to get up and walk away. We hate Paul. He's so mean. How could he say these things? He's so judgmental. And you and me, we look at each other and we're crying because we know that Paul is right. But we also love Paul. We know that He's caring for our soul. He cares for our souls. He cares for our well-being. But above that, He wants us to be in paradise. And we have tears in our eyes. Our friends are walking away. Our so-called friends, they're walking away. Hey, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Let's leave. Let's go to the bar. And what do we do? You and me, what do we do? We fall on our knees and we repent. We fall on our knees and repent because we've been identified as leaven. We see the error of our ways. We get up. We apologize. To we say, hey, hey brother, can you, can you forgive me? I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. Because we've been walking according in the flesh for three years. Under the leadership, under the tutelage of a defunct pastor who had some defunct elders. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the other believers, they forgive us. Hey, it's okay, you know. Don't worry about it. I forgive you. Everything is, that's what you see. It. This beautiful little remnant emerge in Corinth. And so the friend says, hey, let's go to Bible study. It's in Chloe's house. Okay, I'm all for it. Let's go. So you and me, we go to those in the household of Chloe. We we join the household of Chloe and we have our little Bible study. And we grow, we mature. And then in the course of time, say a year and a half later, two years later, the Lord is calling you into pastoral ministry or teaching ministry. And so you, instead of those in the house of Chloe, it's those in your house. And I'm right there with you. And we have a little home fellowship in your house. This is our little home fellowship. And we grow and we mature. And then in our fellowship is some of our friends who were also identified as leaven and they walked away. And in, when they walked away, you know, just like we looked at in, 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 in uh, 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 chapter two, what we studied last week, you know, that uh, uh, the punish in verse six, the punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So say was a, there was a friend of ours who was also identified as leaven. He nobody hung out with him. He was outside the church now and he's repented. He became right with the Lord. And we bring him back in, and we love on him. Say it's a sister, we love on her. They come back there in our fellowship, your little home fellowship that you have. Now I'm there, right there with you. And some of our old former cohorts, cohorts according to the flesh. Now they're cohorts according to the spirit. You see, growth and maturity, and restoration and then all of a sudden another three years passes and we get another letter from paul beautiful beautiful paul we get another letter from paul and he says this in verse one do we begin again to commend ourselves do we have to introduce ourselves to you again do we have to make this introduction once more or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you is this really needed now notice, we're, instead, we've been identified as leaven before. But now we're identified as remnant believers. And then he says this in verse 2. You are our epistle. You see? You are our epistle. Notice this, this runner, hey, we got a second letter from Paul. It starts to spread through the church. Somebody else copies it, writes it down. So the original is going around, and it's going through, spreading through Corinth. But we get a copy of it. You read it because you're the pastor in your home fellowship. You're the teacher in your home fellowship. And you start to read it. You are our epistle. And everybody starts to weep. We look at each other. You and me, we look at each other. Formerly, you know, we were cohorts in the world. When we were non-believers, we were cohorts in the world. An abundance of the works of the flesh. We didn't know, I Emma. Mean, what, what do we expect? We, we, weren't, we're, we weren't even believers. And then we became believers. And even as believers, and I say believers, it's just a beautiful thing, but don't forget, even the demons believe. We were identified as leaven. And everybody, everybody who was identified as leaven, got up and left. Or they've, they've been. Uh, 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 nobody hung out with them except we were convicted of the spirit, not just us, but others. But I speak about you and me. And we repented before the Lord. We were made right before the Lord. We were under the tutelage of no longer a defunct pastor. We went to Chloe's household. we learn and teach. We mature. And the Lord calls you into pastoral ministry or teaching ministry. So we no longer walk, you know, five miles. You know, praise be the Lord. We don't walk five miles to Chloe's household. We just, we don't even walk anywhere. It's like right there. You go to the kitchen table, boom. Two feet. Ten feet maybe. And then all of a sudden we, we get this letter. Paul says, we get it. We read the copy. You read the copy of The Parchment. You are our epistle. And all of a sudden, we look at each other and we just start to weep. You see, this is so beautiful. I mean, I don't want to deify Paul. But Paul was so empty of self. He wrote this letter and like we listened to what he said. Even when we saw him in, in person, we listened to what he said. We received Jesus Christ. And how he said he wanted to come visit with us. But he couldn't. And so he wrote us a letter. And we read the letter and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know what? I'm going to apply what Paul is saying in this letter. I'm going to do what, what, what Paul is saying in this letter. Not to deify Paul, but to understand and know Paul is a servant in the Master's House. Capital M, the Master's House, Jesus Christ. And so we apply what Paul says and look at the fruit of it now. Now you're a pastor. Now, you know, I'm like your your right-hand guy. I'm your elder. We have a little home fellowship, you know, a couple people. Several people, I don't know, numbers irrelevant. But instead of walking five miles to Chloe's house, we just walk five feet to the kitchen table. And here we are having our home fellowship. Bible study. And Paul says, you are our epistle. You see? That's what happens inside your heart. When we read the Bible, a letter from Paul. And That's what you hear us say all the time. Make the pages white. Make the pages white. Because every jot, every tittle jumps off the page. And if you read into your ear, into your eyes. And into your heart, if you hear, if, if if you're not reading and you hear, into your ear holes and into your heart. And I'll stress this: if you hear only, have your Bible with you, open up your Bible and follow along. You are epistle. He's. You are, are our epistle. He says in verse two, written in our heart. You see the reciprocal nature of this love. Written in the heart. You are our epistle. So now, you know, you're the pastor in your home fellowship. We don't have to go to Chloe's household anymore. We just walk five feet to the kitchen table. And you're an epistle. You're an epistle of Paul. I mean, look, we have, you know, uh, 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 Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Corinthians, the book of Romans. What about your heart? What about you when you become the epistle? You are our epistle, written on our hearts. So you see, there's this reciprocity. Also Paul's heart. His entourage. Known and read by all men. That's why you hear us say from time to time, preach the gospel when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. Because our very... Behaviors, our very acts, our very responses to things, our very nature is known and read by all men, even to this day. What is it that you present to people? What is it that you present to people? Are you a Christian on Sundays only? Are you a Christian in front of people only? Are you a Christian on Wednesdays only? Or are you a straight-up Christian 24-7? What is it that you present to people in the workplace? Your, your, your co-workers say, hey, let's go to the bar tonight. You know, We hit our numbers. Let's go get drunk. Are you going to do that? Or oh, you have a friend that gives you a call. Hey, you know, let's go to the strip club. Are you going to go? Your other friend, hey, I got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Are you going to partake? You see, you are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, clearly, it translates as it is made manifest. You are an epistle of Christ. You see, the word is now inside of you. The word is now inside of us. Clearly, it is made manifest that you are an epistle of Christ. Remember, this backdrop of 1 Corinthians is of utmost importance. Because all those who are identified as leaven, the leaven has been dealt with. Biblically speaking, the leaven has been dealt with. Now, I don't mean dealt with like in a bad way. You have to listen to our study. I, I say that and you might think like, whoa, what, what dealt with? What, what, what happened to them? Well, listen to our study through First Corinthians. You'll know exactly what happened to them. The leaven has been dealt with. And understand too, our study last week, which those who are identified as leaven, if they're still leaven, that's one thing. But if they've repented and they made they got right with the Lord, bring them back into the fellowship. Bring them back. Clearly, in verse 3, you are an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us, which is, you know, it's the fruit of their obedience. The fruit of Paul's obedience. This little entourage, Paul's entourage. Holy men, holy women, young and old. Yo-yos, this little entourage. Paul as an overseer. Training the next generation of righteousness. Hey, you go out there. you go to this fellowship, you go to this church, you go to this town. And when you come back, report to me the happenings over there. Report to me the happenings over here. Hey, you send them this. Here, you know, this this town is low on funds here. This church is funding this, so we're gonna send these funds over here. Or the church in Jerusalem, you know, because of the diaspora. Remember, they were, because of the diaspora, all the rich people, all the wealthy people, all the middle class people, they fled Jerusalem. Who's left in Jerusalem? The poor people. Christians. They take a collection from the fellowship and hey, we're going to fund. We're going to fund the church in Jerusalem. We're going to supply their needs. You see, the body taking care of the body. So the, this... I, I want to say the concept of, uh, of the remnant, but I also don't want to say the concept of the remnant. Because concept sounds like it's, you know, academic, you know, this concept. No, it's not a con- I mean, it's It's kind of a concept. But it's the work of the Lord. He says, I came to divide. Do you suppose I came to bring peace? Those are his words. I came to divide, he says. Those are his words. And if he comes to divide, since he comes to divide... What's the, this, this division? The wheat and the tares. And which camp are you in? You see, which camp are you in? Are you leaven? If you're leaven, get right with the Lord. And I tell you from experience, because I was leaven too, 20 some years ago. Get your heart right with the Lord. There's no boasting here when Paul says clearly you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us. There's no boasting there like, oh, look how awesome I am. You're an epistle of Christ, but it's because of me. You know, look how cool I am. Paul's not saying that at all. Ministered by as a result of their obedience. Written. Not with ink. Not with ink. But by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone. Hearkening the law. Not on tablets of stone. But on tablets of flesh that is of the heart you see it's much 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 deeper than many many christians today can even fathom or even do fathom much much deeper notice the church in corinth was once a carnal church i mean if you you know hearken to the example that we laid forth of you and me you know we were non-believers in corinth we heard paul we became believers we were, we were under defunct pastors, defunct elders, and, you know, nobody corrected us on our walking according to the flesh, you know, and then all of a sudden we were identified as leaven and we could have been kicked out. We could have been ostracized. We're, you know, we're identified as leaven, but we repented. And now look, you're a pastor in your home. Instead of walking five miles, we walk five feet to the kitchen table. And you're a pastor of your home fellowship. You're a teacher in your home fellowship. now look this parchment that we're reading, oh we got in this second letter from Paul, this parchment that we read, you know hearkening to my example, this parchment that we read, yes, it has words written with yes ink but it's not ink. What do you mean? How could it be ink and not ink? Because it's written by the spirit of the Lord. It's written by the Holy Spirit. Written in verse 3, not with ink. But by the Spirit of the living God. I mean, like we're straight up. If you have your Bible open and read, you have ink on the page that is right before you. Now, it's, you know, I say ink, but you know, whatever type of powder concoction they use. But it's ink nonetheless. Carnally speaking. Written not with ink, you could carnally you could say, "Oh, this is crazy." I, I I'm looking at the ink right now. This is ink on the, these pages. Spiritual remember the Bible is spiritually discerned. Spiritually speaking, capital S of the Spirit. Spiritually speaking, it's written not with ink. It's by the Spirit of the Living God. These words that we read. Inspired of the Spirit. Paul being obedient to the Lord and writing these words. Peter being obedient to the Lord and writing those words that he wrote. Ezekiel being obedient to the Lord and writing those words. You see, Jeremiah being obedient to the Lord. Daniel being obedient to the Lord. Zephaniah, Obadiah, And the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. You see, everything lines up perfectly. Paul's not going to write about, hey, let's go grave soaking now. Because it doesn't align with the prophets. It doesn't align with the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord isn't going to lead anybody into danger. Only into safety. The danger is ignoring the Holy Spirit. The danger is ignoring the call of God. And what is the call of God? Repent, 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 repent. Old Testament, New Testament. Repent, 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 repent. Get your heart right with the Lord. Old Testament, New Testament. Be right with the Lord. Carnally speaking, you can read verse 3 and be like, Okay, this is crazy. Carnally speaking. Emphasis on carnally speaking. Because written not with ink, but here we are looking at the ink. written by the Spirit. Not just the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, hearkening to the law, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. You see? See the depth. The depth of verse 3. Now, let's look at verse 4. And we and we have such trust through Christ toward God. And we have, in verse 4, and we have this sort of trust through Christ toward God. Notice Christ here as conduit, as a means, as a mediator, as the way. We have such trust through Christ toward God. Now, remember, God never changes. God never changes. You see the likening of the tablets and the heart. The tablets and the heart. And the tablets of old? That was old. What about the tablets of your heart? You see? Tablets of flesh. That's what's so beautiful about having a steady diet of the Old Testament and New Testament. Because... Say, for example, if we studied the New Testament only, and I were to read this, you know, you're listening, and and we read verse 2. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. Now, say we had a steady diet of the New Testament only. Does that hit you as hard? Does verse 3 hit you as hard as when we have this steady diet of the Old Testament? Especially, you know, our study through Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and all that implies, all that entails. You see? The old interpreting the new, the new interpreting the old. You see, in verse five, he says this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. You see, God is establishing things. God is establishing things. He's establishing people in specific ministries, not the defunct pastors, the defunct elders, You know, let's just love on these people and let God take care of the rest. But biblically, God takes care of things. God takes care of situations and problems through his vessels. Such as Paul, such as Cephas, such as Apollo, such as Priscilla, such as Aquila, such as Phoebe, such as Chloe. What did Chloe do? Well, those in her household, they alerted Paul. Look look how Paul responded in obedience to the Lord. Writing a letter. Not with ink. Now, if you're a non-believer, which I pray that's not the case. If you are a non-believer, hit pause and listen to the message how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Become a believer. non-believer could look at this and be... What are you talking about? This is, it's ink. I see the ink right here and you're saying it's not ink? Spiritually speaking, it's not ink. It's by the Spirit of the living God. But who has ears to hear? Who has eyes to see? That's another thing entirely. Not, in verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. There's no boasting here. To think of anything as being from ourselves, you know, so many people say, "Oh, this guy's so eloquent. You should be a teacher. Oh, this guy's so eloquent. You should be a pastor. This guy's so eloquent. You should be this. You should be that." Forget that. Who is the Lord called? You think Jonah was eloquent when Paul purposed in his heart that to, 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 uh, to only Christ known. Only Christ and Him crucified? He purposed. I'm not going to tell you the deep things. I'm just, let's just look at the surface. Sometimes so many people, it's like, you know, they, 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 want, they want to know the entirety of the Bible before they share the good news, before they share the gospel. Don't I mean, if the Lord is calling you to do that, you know, do that. But what about making Christ known and Him crucified? And sharing the good news, just like just like Paul did to the church in Corinth. Just like Paul did. Yes, he had this deep, deep, deep knowledge. But just Christ and Him crucified. They're not, there's no boasting here. There's no room for boasting. Why? Because they're vessels of the Lord. But our sufficiency is from God. God is the one who's doing it who also made us notice it's it's God's doing in verse 6 who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant very interesting remember i mean it happens to be communion sunday and on communion sunday we also looked at the the what, what the lord says this is the new covenant in my blood blood The Old Covenant had blood. The New Covenant had blood. Has blood. Had for the early church. Has for the church today. Has for you and me today. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the New Covenant. Not of the letter. Not of the letter. But of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Understand that in the law, The law brings death. The law brings death. Listen, hearken to our studies through Romans. The law brings death. It's still holy. The law is still holy. Romans chapter 7 verse 12. The law is still holy, but the law is a tutor. Galatians chapter 3 verse 24. The law is holy. Romans 7 verse 12. But the law is a tutor. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, who has ears to hear the tutor? See, who has ears to hear the tutor? Because when you're under grace, when you abide in Jesus Christ, you're no longer under a tutor. There's no need for the tutor. Yes, the law is holy. Yes, the law is a tutor. But when you abide in Christ, there's no need for the law. There's no need for the tutor. Because you're abiding in the fulfillment of the law. The law kills. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, in verse 7, if the ministry of death, which is the law, written and engraved on stones, was glorious. Let's pause here for a moment. If the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, now let's go to verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? You see, the two covenants, the law, which brings death, the law is a covenant, and the law is holy. Romans chapter 7, verse 12. But understand that the law is a tutor, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, to bring people to Christ. The law points to Christ. The law is fulfilled. His name is Jesus Christ. And the Spirit gives life. The law brings death, the Spirit gives life. Now let's go back to verse 7. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, or ceased and made void. Made void. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Not to say that the law doesn't have glory because the law has glory because the law is holy. Have you ever been driving at night before? You're driving at night. Say it's dusk, where it's not night. There's a little bit of day, a little bit of night. It's dusk. And a guy has, you know, the oncoming car has the daylights on. Yes, there's lights, the the running lights. Yes, there's lights, but it's not the headlights. It's not the high beams. It's just the running lights. So, yes, you can see the light. Then you see another guy who, you know, he turned on his lights, but he didn't know that it would, the the, uh, the high beams were on. So he flips on the light and it's like, boom, the high beam. It's not the regular light. It's not the headlight. It's the high beams. So you're driving in your car and oncoming traffic, you see a guy with just his running light, which there's light. But then there's also another guy with the high beam and you got to squint because that high beam is so bright. Yes, there's still light in the other car. But this other car has the high beams on, and that's like a more brilliant light, a much brighter light. That's what Paul is writing about here. Yes, there's light in the law, but it's it's not the most glorious light. Yes, the law is holy. Remember, the law is not made for a righteous person, 1 Timothy chapter 1. If one uses it lawfully, you see, it's not made for a righteous person. Yes, there's light to the law. And yes, the law is still holy, Romans 7, verse 12. But you must, must, must understand that the law is a tutor to bring people to Christ. It points to Christ. The tutor points to Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. In verse 8, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? That's that uh, uh, comparison between the daylights and the high beams. Running lights and the high beams. More glorious, more light. For if the ministry, and remember in verse 7, the first part of verse 7, the ministry of death. That's the law. The ministry of death. So there's still light in the law, but it's still the ministry of death. Because remember the wages of sin is death. Those who live by the law also die by the law. For if the ministry in verse 9 of condemnation had glory. Now, it, a lot of a lot of people they don't like to get their feelings hurt. And you know, I'm in the same camp. You know, I like who who likes it? There is the abrasive aspect of you know, I don't want to get my feelings hurt. There, there there is the abrasive aspect of when you do get your feelings hurt. It, 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 there is pain. But understand when we look at the law, it's not like uh, this mentality of you know, I don't want to get my feelings hurt, so therefore I'm going to candy coat this. I'm I'm not I'm, I'm gonna uh, cherry pick the Bible. I'm not gonna read this, I'm gonna read this only, not. No, we have to have this steady diet of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We Must. We must. Because there are still Old Testament prophecies which need to come to pass. Which will come to pass. Just as there are New Covenant prophecies. Remember, God never changes. God never changes. But there are two covenants. One is of the law, which brings death. And the other is of the Spirit, which brings life for the if the ministry of the of condemnation had glory the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory translates in the greek as super abounds in glory super abounds in glory you see the 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 ministry of righteousness is not through the law remember in galatians if 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 righteousness could come through the law, then Christ died in vain. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. That's what Paul says to the church in Galatia who wanted to return to the law and go back to the law. Now, I have something to say to the Hebrew Roots movement, people. If you're involved in the Hebrew Roots, walk away. Walk away. That's very dangerous doctrine. Of, I mean, there are doctrines which are like low-level threats. They're all threats. I mean, false doctrines. False doctrines are all threats, but there are some that are low-level threat. Hebrew roots, the Hebrew roots movement, that's high-level threat. It's on the higher echelon because they use scripture. They use the Old Testament. They use the teachings of the Old Covenant. They avoid chapters like 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you're involved with the Hebrew Roots Movement, walk away and walk with me. Let us walk together with Christ in this new covenant, in His blood. I've had these conversations with teachers in the Hebrew Roots Movement. And they're very big on making this separation between sacrificial law and the Ten Commandments. They separate this sacrificial law Oh yeah we're we're of the law, we're of the Ten Commandments, but we don't sacrifice animals anymore but don't forget you remember how we would always specifically make mention and even still make mention that there are addendums to law and you know uh, uh, substitutes of substatutes, because that's that's how the law is. but don't forget that even the Ten Commandments. Has sacrifice. Because for the Ten Commandments was given three times. And I speak to the Hebrew Roots Movement. If that's you. If you are involved with the Hebrew, Hebrew Roots. I say walk away. Walk away. And be alive in Christ. And abide in the fulfillment of the law. Don't forget that the law. The Ten Commandments. Was given three times. The Ten Commandments were given three times. So a lot of the teachers in the Hebrew Roots Movement, they like to make this distinction of sacrificial law. Oh yeah, we believe the Ten Commandments and we follow the Ten Commandments and we perform all the Ten Commandments. And we don't do the sacrificial law. But the Ten Commandments aren't without sacrifice because the first time the Ten Commandments were given verbally, orally, They were rejected. That's when the people says, Moses, we don't want God to speak to us. Let God speak to you and you speak to us, Moses. The oral law rejected. And then there was two tablets written by the Lord. Two tablets. Also rejected by the people at their golden calf. Erected and built by Aaron. Those two tablets were destroyed. So we've already accounted for Ten Commandments set number one, Ten Commandments set number two, and then there's a third. Another set of tablets, which is not without blood sacrifice. You see? Remember? God wanted to kill the people. He says, you guys are a stiff-necked people. You know what? You guys go to the the, the promised land. You guys go to the land of milk and honey, and I'll meet you over there. I'm not going to be with you in the wilderness. And then Moses interceded for the people. The intercession of Moses. And the Lord says, okay. Okay. These Ten Commandments, he gives the Ten Commandments again. Exodus 34, he gives the Ten Commandments again. Except what do you see? It's not just the Ten Commandments alone. What do you see? Sacrifice. Sacrificial law in the Ten Commandments. Three sets of Ten Commandments, verbally, orally, rejected. The two tablets, rejected. The second set of two tablets, rejected. Had sacrifice. Walk away. If you're stuck in the Hebrew Roots Movement, walk away. These are very, very dangerous times. And I get it. I understand it. Because what's happening today, you you see the rise of the... You see the rise of the Hebrew Roots Movement. You even see the rise of Calvinism and Reformed Theology. And I completely get it. People, Christians, flock to these heavy-handed religions. These heavy-handed dogmas. And I've heard the argument. People have told me, you know, I, I, I go to Hebrew Roots because I need more law. Because I see the church today, and the church is a mess, and so I need more law. And so they go to Hebrew roots. Or they say, oh, the church is a mess today, and so I need more church government. So I'm going to go into the Reformed church. I'm going to go into the Calvinistic church. I need more government. But there's a better way. It's not that. Meanwhile, the new apostolic reformation, the the kingdom now people, they say, look, prophecy is being fulfilled. Because the church is growing, you know, the, the age of the church age, here it is. The, the NAR, the New Apostolic Re- Re- Reformation. Kingdom now, people. Kingdom now, theology. But the whole thing is a mess. Hebrew roots, a mess. Calvinism, Reformed Theory, they call it theology, I call it theory. It's a mess. New Apostolic Reformation, a mess. Kingdom now, theology, a mess. Kingdom now theory, a mess. But I get why people are flocking to it because look at the church. Look at the church today. It's a mess. And so, what's happening? So, because you have defunct pastors today, just like you had in Corinth, First Corinthians. The defunct pastors and the defunct elders, because you have these people, so-called teachers, I call them hirelings, in some cases wolves. Because you have this defunct class of so-called teachers who will not tend the flock and will not protect the flock. The remnant within their flocks, they see the error, they see the problem. And so the fix in their mind is more government. I need more government to prevent this from happening. I get it. I understand it. And in one, you know, to one degree, I understand and I agree. But the government is in Christ. Understand the government would be placed on his shoulders. You and at one time, eventually, the governments will be placed on his shoulders. You and me, we do it by choice today. Just like Jacob became Israel, governed by God. We yield to him, we submit to him. Because people are untaught, they flock to Hebrew roots. Oh, the church is a mess. The church is so carnal. Everybody's having sex. Everybody's doing drugs. Everybody's doing this. What could prevent that? Ah, the law. They get seduced into the law. I need more government into the law. I need a little bit more Old Testament in my life. So I'm going to go to this Hebrew roots. I'm going to join the Hebrew roots. They get seduced into Hebrew roots. And if salvation comes to the law, if righteousness comes to the law, what does that also tell us? That means that Christ died in vain. The death of Jesus Christ was meaningless. If righteousness can come through the law, it's a trap. And then there's the other argument. You know, people say, oh, like the church is the mess. There's all the sex, drugs, alcohol. Look, the church is loud to say, we've become loud to say, which is true. It is prophesied to happen it's entirely true I get people flocking to Hebrew roots Hebrew roots I get people flocking to Calvinism and reformed theory look at the rise you're seeing the the population of congregations that are Hebrew roots and reformed theory and Calvinistic it's growing it's it's but I get it because people see a problem in the nominal church where there's defunct pastors and defunct elders. Scaredy cats who don't want to tell people about their sin, about their carnal nature. And so this remnant within those fellowships, they identify the problem, which is good. But they go to the wrong solution. People go into reform theory fellowships. They go into Calvinistic fellowships. And, oh, I need more church government. I need more government because you know there's this sex and drugs happening in this fellowship and that can the, the 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 pastors need to be heavy-handed on that. And so we need more church government. We need a, a Matthew 18 government. And so they flocked to the reform theory, they flocked to the calvinistic. So you have these young Christians who are identified as a remnant. But because of their youth, they are seduced into Hebrew roots. They are seduced into Calvinistic doctrine. They are seduced into reform theory, thinking they're right. But reform theology, Calvinistic theology, and even Hebrew roots theology, those are on the higher echelon of danger because they closely align with Scripture. Hebrew roots points to The law, Calvinistic and Reformed, they don't point to the law, but their doctrine is completely off base. Oh, we're of the elect, we're of the elect, this guy's not a Christian. Christ died only for the elect, only for us, not for you. He predestined these other people for hell. It's a trap. If you're Hebrew roots, walk away. Come out of her, my people. If you're Calvinistic, walk away. Come out of her, my people. If you're Reformed theory, walk away. Come out of her, my people. You say, okay, what does that mean? You want me to walk away, but walk away into what? I can't go back to that church where there's the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. I can't go back to that church. Where do you want me to go? Abide in Christ. That's where I want you to go. Abide in Christ. Walk with me. Let's abide in Christ together. Because Jesus Christ says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to divide. And when you have this backdrop of 1 Corinthians, yes, when leaven is identified, leaven has to be dealt with. And I don't mean leaven dealt with like, okay, you drink beer. You're out of here. You're going to burn in hell. I don't mean that type of division, that type of separation. A defunct pastor won't talk to another brother or sister about their problem with alcohol. But a shepherd, lowercase s, a servant of the Lord, a shepherd, lowercase s, a servant of the good shepherd, capital G and capital S, will talk to that brother, will talk to that sister. Someone wants to do drugs and is given over to drugs, comes into fellowship, that's fine. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to play games with the Lord? You, okay, this isn't a good fit for you. Because, yes, there's, you know, we are fishers of men, fishers of women, young and old. Come one, come all. You receive Jesus Christ. If you don't receive Jesus Christ, okay, then you're a potential danger to the flock who has to be protected. Yes, there will be division. Yes, people will leave. Yes, people will hate you. Yes, people will call you stupid. Yes, people will call you foolish. (laughs) That's part of the gig. (laughs) I can't do anything about that. That's part of the gig. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, you have to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Don't be a man pleaser. Be a God pleaser. So if you're in Hebrew roots, if you're in a Calvinistic fellowship, if you're in a Reformed theory, I say, come out of her, my people. That doesn't mean that you run to the defunct pastor and the defunct elder. Find yourself a new pastor, a new elder. Find yourself a new one. Where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I go? Behold the last days. The church is entering judgment. But there's light in Goshen. Get a new pastor. If you're into Reformed theory, if you're into Calvinistic, if you're into Hebrew roots, come out of my people, find a new pastor, find a new shepherd who will teach you the way of righteousness in accordance to the way, the truth, and the life. Because what do we see here? In verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, speaking of the law, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, superabounds in glory. For even that, even what was made glorious, which is the law, had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. Translates in the Greek as surpasses as supereminent. Just like the example I gave where there was, you know, the two cars, two oncoming cars. One has his daylights on, the other has his high beams on. One emits light, there's still glory in one. But there's much more glory, much more brightness, much more illuminance in the high beam. See? The law is still holy. The law is still holy. I'm not denying the holiness of the law. The law is still holy. But you must understand that the law is a tutor. That's why when we studied Leviticus, do you remember when we were done with Exodus? We, and even in Exodus, there were some warning labels attached to certain passages in Exodus. But there was a, a hardcore warning label that came with our study in Leviticus. And we we went when we were supposed to start Leviticus... I say we're supposed to start, but the Lord had us go into passages of the New Covenant to protect us. That it's the Old Covenant. Yes, there's light in the Old Covenant. Yes, there's holiness to the Old Covenant. But the Old Covenant in itself is not without sacrifice, is not without blood of the Lamb. There's a better lamb, capital L, the Lamb of God. You see, so many times you talk to these Hebrew roots people, and I've spoken to the teachers, the teachers of the Hebrew roots movement. Oh, it's not sacrificial. We go with Ten Commandments. They don't say it like that. They're rather, rather stern, rather mean-spirited. But what? it's like talking to a carnal person. Because had they the Spirit, capital S, remember, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The Holy Spirit of the Lord will never lead anyone outside of Christ. Never. Never. Everything has to align. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead into the law. The Holy Spirit leads from the law into Christ. See, remember when Mary held on to Jesus Christ? That when you know she she sees the empty tomb. She sees a guy walking. He has, he has the 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 uh, the the hood. And, 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 what have you done? Do you know what they did to my Lord? What have you done? And then she perceives it's Christ. And she falls. To it. And she grabs him and holds on to him. He says, let me go. I have not yet descended to my Father. And when I descend to my Father, I have to send the Holy Spirit down. The Spirit of our Lord. I and my Father are one. The triune nature of God. Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you're telling me that that Spirit is going to lead into the law? No, that's another Spirit. That's lowercase s. The Holy Spirit of the Lord leads from the law and into Christ. You see? Come out of her my people. Your Hebrew roots, come out of her my people. Your reform theory, come out of her my people. Your Calvinists, come out of her my people. And I'm not saying you flock to the defunct pastors. You flock to the defunct elders. Find a pastor. A good pastor. A pastor who himself is under the capital P, Pastor Jesus Christ. Look what we see here in verse 11. For if what is passing away was glorious... Speaking of the law, what remains is much more glorious. Or what abides, very interesting, what abides is much more glorious. That's how it translates. What remains is much more glorious. What does that tell us? Abide in Christ. There's no period. When Jesus Christ says, abide in me, there's no period. He says, abide in me and I in you. Oneness. Love relationship. The Hebrew roots teachers. Very, very mean spirited. Very, very mean spirited. But it is expected. It's of no surprise because they have not the spirit. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. I love this because it translates as to be frank, to be blunt, to be confident, and to be open. It's not a secret. We use great boldness of speech. <laughs> this is how bold he gets. <laughs> Unlike Moses. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's how bold Paul goes. <laughs> Remember, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel, well-versed, well-taught, well-trained in the law, a Pharisee of Pharisees, well-versed in the law. And in his boldness of speech, great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, he says in verse 13. (laughs) If you're listening for the first time, you hear these pauses, I have to drink tea. You know, I have to drink something hot, sometimes coffee, sometimes tea for my throat. He says in verse 13, Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, translates as rendered as useless and made void. That's the law. The danger of the law. I I completely understand the seduction of the law. Yes, I say seduction of the law. I know that's... Whoa, what are you talking about? Seduction of the law? I thought the law was holy. Yes, the law is holy. But I get the seduction of the Hebrew Roots Movement people to get people to enter the law. But understand, if you're entering the law, what does that mean? You're abandoning the cross. Because if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. He died for nothing. That's what you're doing. If you're attempting to find righteousness and be righteousness in the law and through the law, it's not going to happen. It's a trap. Remember, Satan uses scripture. I mean, there are some, like the Mormons. Those are like easy because... Uh, the Book of Mormon—that's not even the Bible. They use the Bible, but when they use the Bible with the Book of Mormon, that, those are easy. The, the Mormons—I don't I mean easy. Like if you're Mormon, I love you. I also say, come out of my people. Jehovah's Witnesses—those are easy. You know, uh, 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 Watchtower, uh, uh, Brooklyn—that's that, that's that's their that's their beacon of light comes out of Brooklyn. No, they, it, it's false doctrine. Those are easy. Bahai, easy. Uh, it, Seeker-friendly? Easy. Uh, Emergent? Easy. But those of the sects of Calvinism, those of the sects of Reformed theory, those of the sects of Hebrew roots, those are more dangerous because they use Scripture. And when I say come out of my people I say that with the utmost love for your soul. Your doctrine is off base and you will learn. And that's one of the things I love about the last days. And I actually look forward to in the last days because doctrines will be exposed. False doctrines will be exposed. There's a lot of danger. Behind these doctrines. But these things have to happen. They will come to pass. They must happen. Remember, the disciples asked Jesus Christ, what is the sign of your coming? What is the sign of your coming? And Jesus Christ gave all these indicators. There's this, there's that, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that. These things must happen and then I'll come. He told us these things would happen. If you've been seduced into these sects because you see Laodicea in the church today, Laodicea is prophesied. Leave Laodicea and enter Philadelphia. Leave Laodicea and enter Smyrna. Easy. Repentance. Oh, but the church is loud, this and the church is loud. I I know. It's prophesied to happen. It's supposed to happen. What's not supposed to happen is your seduction into false doctrines. That's what's not supposed to happen. Well, I mean, that alone is also prophesied to happen, the apostasy. But I don't want that to happen for you, my friend. You come to Christ. Because... If what was passing away was glorious, that's the law, what remains, what abides is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, he says. Their minds were, translates as, calloused, hard, and petrified, Understand that the law is for stone, the law was written on stone. The law, in the blindness of their minds, were blinded, translates as calloused, hard, and petrified. That's understandable. Because it's the law, but don't forget verse three, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on not 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 on tablets of stone, which is the law, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. in order for that to happen, circumcision is required, and I'm not speaking about circumcision. Carnally. I'm speaking about circumcision of the heart. Just like Paul says to the church in Rome, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Everything must align because the spirit of the Lord is not divided against himself. Why? Because the Lord himself says a house divided cannot cannot stand. A kingdom divided cannot stand. And the Lord is not divided against himself does Christ have Beelzebub There you go Their minds were blinded he says in verse 14 for until this day and a lad even still the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the old testament I'll read that again remember verse 13 Moses put a veil over his face. Okay? Now verse 14. Their minds were blinded. For until this day, and I'll add, even still, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Whoa! Do you know how hardcore that is? If you're Hebrew roots. I love you. More than you can possibly know or imagine, I love you. But we must let the Word of God be the Word of God. And you and me, we need to yield to Him. Not in accordance to the Old Covenant, but in accordance to the New. I'm not saying the law is unholy. The law is indeed holy. But those are daylights. Running, running lights. Look at the high beams. Which is the Spirit. A greater glory. Until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. That's why when we study a, a, a little bit in Exodus, a little bit in, in Numbers, but hardcore in Leviticus, there was a hardcore warning label. A hardcore warning label because Satan has a seduction into the law. You say, wait a second. If the law is holy, why would Satan seduce people to come into the law? Because in order to enter the law, you have to leave Christ. You have to leave the cross. It's a trap. It's a trap. But I say to you, come out of her, my people. Abide in the law's fulfillment. Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, abide in Him and He in you. But even in verse 15, but even in the, even to this day, and I'll add, even still, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Whoa. That's, we study, I mean, we're a people of the way and we study Moses. But how many times do you hear us say, a shadow of the things to come, a shadow of the things to come, a shadow of the things to come? Our study in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we're going to continue when we pinpoint these aspects of the law. How many times do you hear us say, we're not advocating the law? Understand that the law is holy. In accordance to Romans 7, verse 12. But in accordance, also in accordance, it is also written in accordance with Galatians 3, verse 24. The law is a tutor. But for a certain people, there's no need for a tutor. You know who those are? Christians. You say, wait a second, Christians. I, 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 I've, I've had a steady diet of you Christians. And, you know, I am a Christian and I go back to the law. I go to reform theory. I go to Calvinism because the, the church is a mess. Rightfully so, I'm in a complete and total agreement with you in this regard. the church is a mess it's supposed to be in accordance to the word. I mean it's not supposed to be but it's supposed to be in accordance to prophecy that's why Jesus Christ Genesis to revelation, repent, 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 repent. Revelation chapter two and three repent, 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 repent repent, repent. I'll add the fifth. Why? Because there's two churches where there's no repentance. Philadelphia and Smyrna. In verse 15, Paul says this, in his boldness, which is quite bold. But even to this day, when Moses has read, a veil lies on their heart. Turn with me really quick to John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, We see this, actually John chapter 5, okay, John chapter 5, but let's, 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 let's look at verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done things on the Sabbath. Very interesting. Do you remember? Just on Wednesday. Very interesting. <laughs> it just so happens that this last Wednesday, we looked at work being done on the Sabbath. Works during the Sabbath in the law, you see. But these religious leaders, in accordance to the law, they must have forgotten. You see, work, works on the Sabbath. Blood for the Sabbath. Blood every day in accordance to the law. I'm not advocating the law, but the law says it is written. We studied that on Wednesday. It just so happens. They were mad at Jesus. They wanted to kill him. They persecuted him and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought, to kill, to, sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They wanted to kill him. Now let's look at verse 39. Same chapter, John chapter 5. Verse 39, red letters. I mean, the entirety of the Word of God is the Word became flesh. The entirety is Christ. But I'll make a little emphasis on the red letters for the sake of our study in in, in 2 Corinthians. Verse 39, you search the Scriptures. He's speaking to the religious leaders. You search the Scriptures. You think, okay, that's good. They're bringing Bereans. For in them you think, you have eternal life. You see? Yes, it's good to be a Berean. Yes, it's good to search the scriptures. But you know what's better? To apply the scriptures. To yield to the scriptures. To hear the scriptures. To abide in the scriptures. And the word became flesh. And I speak of abiding in Christ and He in you. It's much deeper. Much deeper than quote unquote religion. Much deeper. Because abiding in Christ, it's not just relationship. You hear me say relationship, it's much deeper. It's matrimony, it's marriage unto Him. The better husband, the better marriage. You know, that's why I don't like teaching about marriage. Because I have yet to speak to the soul who understands I get it. I have yet, I hope and pray it's you, but I have yet to meet you. And one day, I hope I will. I desire to. I want you to know that wherever you are on the face of this orb we call earth, I desire more than you can possibly know to meet you, to shake. Not just shake your hand, to embrace you. My brother, my sister. Let us be a people that yields to the Lord in his word and yields to his spirit. You search the scriptures in verse 39. He says, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Remember, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The spirit which inspired Paul. Remember, Paul says, not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Living God. Living God. Living God. I'll say it again. Living God. That same spirit by the same living God. Now, with ink. Inspired Paul. Inspired Peter. Inspired Obadiah. Inspired Hosea. Moses. Same spirit. In John chapter 5, verse 39, these are they which testify of me. But you, speaking to the religious leaders, you are not willing to come to me. You see? That's the seduction of the law. And I get it. I get why people are flocking to the law. I get why people are, Christians, are flocking to Hebrew roots. You're seeing in these last days, you're seeing the rise of Hebrew roots, the increase of Hebrew roots, the increase of uh, Calvinism and Reformed theory because people realize that they are in a church, in a fellowship of Laodicea. And they don't want to be there. And They're seduced to go to Hebrew roots, they're seduced into the law, they're seduced into Calvin, they're seduced into Reform theory. You know, it's also happening in the Reform theory camp and in, in the Calvinistic uh, doctrine. Their teachers, so called teachers, are also starting to teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You see, it's a trap. Instead of leaving Laodicea, what does the Lord say? He says, repent. And when you repent, you also enter Smyrna. You also enter Philadelphia. You see? Don't leave Laodicea. You know, I understand. The church is Laodicea. How many times do you hear us say, you know, the church is a mess today? How you, you, We say it quite a bit the church is a mess today because it is scripturally doctrinally it is these things are supposed to happen it's not not supposed to happen because the Lord doesn't but prophetically speaking they will happen they must happen remember Lord what is the sign of your coming what are the signs of your coming tell us Lord when will these things be what is the sign of your coming and he tells us there will be all kinds of Christ's all kinds of false teachers, false prophets. And also there will be this, there will be this, there will be this, there will be this. And look at the world today. Signs of the times. Or, I like to say, times of the signs. I get why people are flocking to these other doctrines. These other I completely understand it. But don't leave Laodicea and go into, you know, something that's wrong. Leave Laodicea into something that's right. Something that is good. And get a new pastor. Because the pastors of Laodicea are like the pastors in 1 Corinthians, the defunct type the defunct elders. Leave. Your loyalty isn't to a church. Your loyalty is to Christ. Jesus Christ. I mean, if if that is shocking, if that statement is shocking, that should reveal quite a bit about your own heart. Your loyalty is not to a church. Your loyalty is to Christ Jesus, the coming King. You see? And the virgins, the virgins await the bridegroom. Some are foolish, some are wise. Be wise, my beloved. In verse 40, still in John chapter, uh, chapter 5, John 5, in verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. I love this so much. I do not receive honor from men, the Lord says. Neither do his servants, I'll say. But I know you, in verse 42, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Him you will receive, he says. How can you believe who how can you believe who receive honor from another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? He's speaking to the religious leaders of in later chapters, he calls them vipers, brood of vipers whitewashed tombs, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. In verse 45, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. You see? For you Hebrew roots, people, I love you. I don't want to... I know it's jolting to hear these things because you desire to serve the Lord. That's part of the danger of these sets which use the Bible. That's part of the danger because you desire to serve the Lord. And you desire to serve the Lord in the law. But the spirit of the Lord leads to Christ. The spirit of the Lord doesn't lead to Moses. He's a servant in the Lord's house. We studied that in Hebrews. I'll read it. Since I said it. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 3. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, more. <laughs> As the spirit leads. <laughs> For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So even Moses, in accordance to our study through 2 Corinthians chapter three, even Moses is being revealed as day as the running lights. <laughs> more glory in this one. Who is this one? For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house. Has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built it, he he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful. Praise be to the Lord, the faithfulness of Moses. Praise be to the Lord. And I say this especially to my Hebrew roots friends. I love you so much. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house, capital H, the Lord's house, as a servant. You see, now if you're Hebrew roots and you heed the voice of Moses, isn't it better to heed the voice of the master as opposed to the servant? And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Very interesting, afterward. For such a time as this, right here, right now, come out of her, my people, and come to Christ. And don't just come to Christ. Christ. You abide in Christ and he in you, the fulfillment of the law. But Christ in verse six, you know, it's still in Hebrews three, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if the word of conditionality, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, you see? Therefore, I'll read this in verse 7. As the Holy Spirit says, not the spirit of men, the lowercase s, not that spirit, because that spirit will lead away from Christ. The Holy Spirit, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, do not harden your hearts. The end of verse 10, speaking of those with hard hearts, And these hard hearts, which are uh, petrified, hearts that are apt for law, written on stone, in the middle of verse 10, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Because the Spirit of the Lord leads to Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Don't leave Christ, don't leave the cross. Don't go back to the law. Don't run to Moses. Don't run to the servant. Run to the master. Capital M. Jesus Christ. Let's go back to John. John 5. John 5 verse 41. I do not receive honor from men but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I remember he's speaking to the religious leaders. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name him you will receive. How can you believe who who receive honor from one another and do not seek to honor that comes do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Question mark. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the father. Very interesting. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Master, is saying, Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. That I shall accuse you. Future tense. Shall accuse you. There is one who accuses you. Present tense. There is one who accuses you. Present tense religious leaders. There is one who accuses you. Present tense Hebrew roots. Who is it? Moses. In whom you trust. Is the Lord deny? Is Jesus Christ denying Moses? Not at all. But Moses was a servant. Moses was at the transfiguration. Glorified with Christ. Because he himself moved on, you know, daylights, running lights, to high beams, you see. The same way we will, because the corrupt has to put on incorruption. The mortal has to put on immortality. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades. Hades. Verse 46, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Moses was a servant. And the law points to Christ. Oh, I'm speaking about the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, not the sacrificial law. The Ten Commandments are sacrificial. Because three sets of the Ten Commandments... The first, verbal, rejected by the people. The second, tablets, destroyed. Also rejected by the people in their sin with the golden calf. The third, blood. You see? Blood. Command. Read Exodus 34. You have commandment, blood, commandment, blood, commandment, blood. Moses wrote of Christ, the fulfillment of the law. And Moses himself was at the transfiguration. Because in his corruption, he put on incorruption. Let's go back to Second Corinthians now. Chapter 3. In verse 15, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Verse 16, in closing, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You see, for my Hebrew roots friends, turn to the Lord. Enter the door, you see, enter the door. And find life. Find rest for your soul. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And I'll add this. If you're Hebrew roots, and even if you're not Hebrew roots, but a little bit more if you are Hebrew roots, (laughs) This might be a a point of consternation with you. This might be a point of contention in your heart because you see freedom, so-called freedom in the church today. But if it's Laodicea that you're looking at, that's not freedom, that's bondage. That's slavery. Slaves to sin. Look at Philadelphia. Look at Smyrna. I understand the seduction of the Hebrew roots. I understand it completely. Because you might have been, if you're Hebrew roots today, or thinking about going into Hebrew roots, you might be in a church. Everybody calls themselves a Christian. Everybody says they believe, but don't forget, even the demons believe. Even the demons believe. And you might be in Laodicea. And you hear a seduction into Hebrew roots. Oh, I, 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 this can't be. Everybody's having sex. Everybody's doing drugs. They call themselves Christians, and they're doing this. They're doing that. I need the Ten Commandments in my life. Oh, and so I'm going to go to this guy who keeps saying the Ten Commandments and this and that. We got to do the works of the law, not sacrificial law, but you know the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments aren't without sacrifice. They're not without blood. I understand the seduction. But it's a lie. I'm not saying the law is a lie. The law is holy. The seduction is leaving Christ. The seduction is leaving the cross. The seduction is having a veil. But when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, a lot of Christians today of Laodicea, they take advantage of their freedoms in Christ. They take advantage of their, "Oh yeah, God will forgive me, God will forgive me." So I'll go ahead and do this crack. I'll go ahead and do the sex. I'll go ahead and do the drugs, the alcohol. I'll go ahead and be a tax cheat. I'll go ahead and say these little white lies. I'll go ahead and do this. That's loud to say, They're doing works unto the flesh on their way to apostasy. Which is prophesied to happen. If you're in Laodicea, the fix, the remedy, is not found in Hebrew roots. It's not found in Calvinism. It is not found in reformed theory. It is found in Christ. The fulfillment of the law. And in these last days, you cannot have a defunct pastor. You cannot have a defunct elder. You cannot. If that's your pastor today, (laughs) get a new pastor. You cannot have a defunct pastor or a defunct elder. These are very treacherous times, very perilous times. And your loyalty is not to a pastor. Your loyalty is not to a church. Your loyalty is to Jesus Christ. As we await the bridegroom. We are brides. brides Brides-to-be. Awaiting the bridegroom. If your pastor, if who you call your pastor is defunct of the First Corinthians 1, 2, 3, and 4 kind. The kind where the abundance of the works of the flesh, where the, the leaven wasn't addressed. If that's your pastor, if that's the type of elder that you submit to, submit to another pastor who himself is in submission to Jesus Christ, the pastor, the head pastor, capital H, capital P, the head pastor of the church. The remedy isn't Hebrew roots. The remedy isn't Calvin. The remedy isn't Reformed. The remedy is Christ. You see? You see this beautiful verse where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I'm not speaking about carnal liberty. I'm speaking about freedom in Christ, liberty in Christ, which is beautiful. And a lot of Christians, they take advantage of God's grace, which Paul says, don't do that. Remember our study in Romans? Does that mean that we should sin more so that grace can abound? Question mark. Certainly not exclamation point. Don't take advantage of God's grace. That's not good. That is not good. Don't do that. A lot of Christians do that. To their own error. And in some cases to their own peril. And for the sake of the church. It reveals Laodicea. Don't forget that the fruit of the spirit, one of the fruits is self-control. You're not going to see the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the tax cheats, the you know the uh, little white lies. You're not going to see that in Philadelphia. You're not going to see that in Smyrna. It's we're living in the age of defunct pastors, defunct elders. turn this into, you know, let, let, let's focus on that, let's focus, I'm talking about you, if you're being seduced into Hebrew roots or Calvin or Reformed, if you're being seduced, ignore it, come to Christ, I'm not saying the law is bad, I'm saying, yes, there is a light of the law, the law is Holy. But the law is a schoolmaster. The law is a tutor. You see? Enter the door. The law is a tutor to bring to Christ. And when you come to the Christ, enter the door. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. You see? In verse 18, but we all. Now, if you're Hebrew roots or hopefully at this point, and I pray, you've. Denied the old, you have removed the veil, and you are now abiding in Christ. And I pray that this is for all of us. If you're Hebrew, if you were Hebrew roots, if you were reformed, if you were Calvinistic, I pray that we can all say this in verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, no veiling. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed, are being metamorphosed in the Greek, which is like metamorphosis, the change. Also translates as transfigured. Very interesting. Look at Moses. A servant of the Lord in the master's house. A servant. We don't run to the servant. We run to the master. The same master. Moses wrote of Christ as a servant. You see? And he was at the transfiguration. He himself was transfigured. What about you? But we all with unveiled face beholding as an emir the, the glory of the Lord are being transformed, transfigured into the same image from glory to Glory, you see? Glory to glory. <laughs> Praise be to the Lord. There's the glory of the old, which are like the running lights. The glory of the old. And this that's under the ministry of death, because the law brings death. But then there's the glory of the new. The glory of the new, which is a much, much better glory, superabounding in glory. The high beams. From glory to glory. That's you and me. We move on from glory to glory. You see? The law, that's one glory. But the law is a tutor that leads to Christ. And when you're under Christ, you are no longer under a tutor, which means you are under a different glory. You see? We're being transformed. I'll read verse 18 again. But we all with the un- with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed or transfigured into the same image from glory to glory, from running light to high beam, low beam to high beam, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, the Spirit of the Lord leads to Christ. It's all God's work. it's all God's work. As for me, I'm just the messenger. Beautiful, beautiful people of the way. God bless you. I love you.